0: turn my mic on, hold on. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are leading, that you do lead us uh, in places sometimes that are uncomfortable. Uh, and we thank you that you're there to take us, that you're with us, you'll never leave us. Uh, Spirit, would you begin to still work in our hearts today as we open up your word Jesus Jesus. Wow. Abigail, before you leave, so you guys have seen the cool graphics that get made around here? Woo-hoo. Yeah, That's her job! That's her job. So if you like them, uh, go ahead and say and, and tell her afterwards. But wait, they, wait way you see the next one with the fruits of the spirit. It's it's my favorite one in the last seven years. Okay. Wow. my coworker, graphic Jeremy. Yeah. You shouldn't know. though. You should take. it. I will take. It. Take it, <laughs> it off. Okay. Anyway, that's her role. So put a name to the base and you see everything that comes out. That's her. And that lights like a heat lamp when I feel like a french fry. Is this going to be okay? <laughs> french fries sound delicious. Uh, one time, I was interning at a church. And as an intern, you got to go on all the uh, trips for free. You didn't really get paid. But you got to go on all the trips for free, which I tried to explain to my dad was a good thing. Uh, but he, he didn't go for it. And, uh, but I was still the intern. And we got to go to the Colorado River. Uh, maybe Have maybe you there been there before. You and go up to Lake, Lake Mead. And we were on a, there were about four houseboats and we were just tooling around, going all through all the things. And we got to a point where we, we tied up to a, a, a beach and uh, we, that's where we camped for a couple of days. But off to the north of the beach, you can take one of the houseboats up and drop anchor and then there's a cliff that you can climb up and jump off. And two of my friends, Andrew uh, and James, James lived in Hawaii and Andrew was Canadian, so he's already a little bit kooky up there right and so sorry canadians but you'll get it uh but he he goes and they, they climb up to this top of the cliff it's like 30 35 feet i don't know i'm terrible judge at distance and uh, it might have been less but it look at the least of that it was bigger than a two-story house and so and they get on top of the cliff and they don't even look down they just run and fly off and they're, they're like swan diving, and they're flipping, flipping, and they hit the, the water, water and they pop back up and they're like, this, this is awesome. Is and awesome. and, and they then they go back up and do it again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting, sitting in the, in the houseboat on my chair, chair going, board. that looks <laughs> fun. I think I want to try it. And so, and so they, they show me how to climb, high climb high up, high which is that's the most, high most high amount high of high hiking high high. that I'll ever do, is I climbed up to the top of that and I stood on the edge and I'm looking down and the houseboat looks like a micro machine. It didn't, but I'm just looking down going, yeah, I can do this. And i get back, back and be like, I can't, can't do this. this. Meanwhile, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew and James are just, they go, as soon as they hit the water, they'd be up there, and they just keep going and going and going. And I looked at them, and the fun that they were having was like, I want that. But it's gravity. And then there's this fear of, like, there's a whole bunch of people in the house, watching, what if I screw up, and I do a 30-foot belly flop? And they get soaked soaked like Shamu, right? right? That's what you're all thinking. I get it. But But what if I did that? Oh, man, this is just no way. way. And And then I get the courage and go, uh, no. See, See, I was was
1: afraid. afraid. And my obsession
0: with me falling and landing on something, because it just wasn't what I could see, see, which was just water, water. my mind goes to all the things things that they don't see. Like, are they specifically aiming for someplace on the water that if they... That, that if they were, were like two feet over two to the right, right, and I'm two, two feet, feet wider, wider than them, if they're two feet, feet over to the right, they, they hit a rock and then they're impaled. And, they're hit it hit it and this is what this is my head, head right, going. Right, I'm, I'm thinking of everything that Nazi, and then I'm I have this thing where I can I can imagine the news headlines. It's like swimmer impaled on rock after cliff diving. You know, and we all go, oh, that guy. I was afraid I was going to be them film at eleven, and it's gruesome. You know, I don't want to be that guy. But they they kept kept jumping jumping and jumping and jumping. And And I don't know if we were meant to do that. Um, Uh, If if we we were, were, we would have wings or extra flap here. So we have like the squirrels do do where we can float. I I, I sat there and every time time, I couldn't couldn't get get past the jump. jump. I wanted to jump. However, However, my obsession with my safety kept me from taking the leap and experiencing what I truly wanted. wanted. This is our last week in the three-week series we've been doing called Be Thou My Vision. There's Abigail's graphic. But about how God is the vision of what we're, what we're doing around here. And how God is the vision of our lives. For the first week, we talked about how God is still speaking to us. It was over Pentecost. And how the Spirit spoke on that day and shot the church out and we sang about it. And the church took off like a fire. That was the first one. And, and we were warned not to be distracted by nostalgia the way things used to be, and not to fall for the imposters, the, 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 the thoughts that are trying to break into the church and destroy things. We were warned about that. That's the warning we look at. The last week we talked, and if you were here, y'all did most of the talking, but we circled up. It was an introvert alert. Don't worry, introverts not coming again. But we all talked about times where God broke into our story. We talked about the altars in our lives, places where we can go, yeah, God met me in that place. And i never even knew it or god did a powerful work and we shared stories of faith because in our faith life there's going to be times where god's going to show up and we need to remember that because the next trial we get to we need to remember how god showed up in the last trial because that helps us get through today we're going to look at one of the most interesting stories in the old testament i love the old testament i can say they're all my favorite but this one's up there I said, I said it was my favorite last night, and Carrie goes, you say that about every time you talk about the Old Testament. It's true. I do. Uh, but, but this one, we can learn so much from it. There's a lot here. There's a, a song that used to go with this story. story, and I asked Carrie if I should teach it to you, and she said no. It's, uh, many of you grew up in, in Sunday school. It's, uh, there's motions. Okay, it went. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Do we know this one? Ten were bad. Two were good. Two were good. No? no? Okay, okay, I'll keep going. What, what do you think, think they, saw they saw in Canaan? Where 10 were bad and 2 were good. Some, some saw giants big and tall, some, some saw grapes, and big and some some saw grapes as big as a ball, some, some saw God, God was in it all. When 10 were bad and 2 were good. Don't you guys want to know that song? <laughs> it's so good. I almost sent it to Abigail this week saying, "Could you?" <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not, not a good. But anyway, anyway. it's it's a great song. If you, if you want the link, I'll send it to you. I found one this week of a choir singing it, and it was all in the round. I was going, oh, this is even better. I'm not a fan of choral singing, but like if they do that song, I'm going to come to your concert. And so, uh, but this is, what, this is the story. These 12 spies were sent to, to look at the land that God had given them. But their obsession with their safety kept them from living out God's vision. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Numbers. I have Numbers here in this Bible. Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. If Genesis is the story of how we all get here, Exodus is the story of how the people of Israel got out of, uh, of slavery in Egypt. Leviticus is how they're supposed to now live as people of God, as priests of God. Uh, numbers is the story of them wandering in the desert. Now, have you ever heard this, that they didn't have to wander for 40 years? They were in the desert for 40 years, but they didn't have to be there. So here's what happens. If, we, if you read in your Bibles, the fourth book of the Bible, God rescued them from Egypt. Hi, Jen, what's up? Oh. Red Chrysler with uh, handicap plates. Okay. If it's not one of us, sweet. Way to go. Good parking. We live in a neighborhood. This happens often, uh, unfortunately, and we're the first ones to get asked about it because we have the most people in our house right now. So, but there it is. So the people of Exodus, they, they left the, the land of Egypt. They're wandering around. It shouldn't have taken 40 years. They, get, they go to Mount Sinai. And they're walking for two years after that towards the promised land from Egypt to the land of Canaan. And as they're walking, they're getting closer and closer. And, and Moses knows this. Moses is like, yep, we're getting there. We're almost there. Moses had made this journey before. And Moses gets there. And then God says to Moses, uh, I'm going, I want you to send some spies into this land. And Moses knows for sure then that they are getting really close. God keeps his promises. Remember that. God keeps his promises. This land that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that still their promised land? Clever title. That's still the promised land for them. And so in Numbers 13, this is what happens. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Listen carefully. Which I am giving to the Israelites. From the ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So the ancestral tribe, what he's saying is like, Send one from every 12 tribes. So you're going to send how many? 12 men went to spy on Canaan. Okay, there's that part. But notice with me what, what, what God says to Moses. That word giving. I'm giving this to the Israelites. Now this is an important word because we're going to get down in the story a little bit further and something's going to go awry. The word for Hebrew, in Hebrew for giving is the word Nathan. Not Nathan. Nathan. Don't Don't go calling your friend Nathan Nathan. 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 The The word for it's Nathan. N-A-W-T-H-A-N is how we would spell it. Nathan. Nathan. And it it means this. To bestow, to gift, to to provide, to to entrust. He did not not tell the 12 people spying on Canaan that they are going to go conquer or take it or invade it or secure it. He was giving it to them all they had to do is what we do whenever we get something that will receive a gift is simply what take it i'm going to take it there was no conquering involved it's like this god comes to uh god comes to your parents the week before christmas and says tell your kids that they can go peek at the gifts Okay, this, this is what, is what God God's saying. The gifts are already bought. You they might, might be wrapped. wrapped. It's the week before Christmas. Probably not. But they're, they're, they're there. Everything they're is there. there. This already they're belongs to them. them. I, want I want them to get a sneak preview. preview. And, and so, so Moses does, does this. And then, then verse 17, 17. Moses sent them to explore Canaan. Now watch this. Go up through the Negev onto the hill country. See what's in the land and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they have? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in there or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was ripe season for grapes, and they have been eating quail and manna for two years. Okay. Uh, So in other words, Moses said, go peek at it, come back. And they do. They're gone for 40 days. They're exploring their land. when they get back, And Numbers tells us they return with a cluster of grapes so big, as big as a ball, like the song says, right? There's that part. They come back with the grapes as big as a ball. They had to carry it on a pole between the two of them because it was so big. They brought back pomegranates and figs. Essentially, what they brought back was verifiable evidence that God keeps his promised land, or his promise through the promised land. The land they were going to was sweet now Now, imagine this put yourself in their tents for the day day. you You have been wandering for years eating the same thing every day day, and you come out to the door door of your tent tent and you're standing like this and and you see figs i don't know if you like figs but if you've been eating manna and quail for two years you like figs and then you see pomegranates which no matter how messy that's pretty good and then you see this huge thing of grapes come by and you're like oh my gosh How do I get some of this? Okay, imagine the excitement that the people of Israel are now seeing. They've been hoping for this. They've been hearing that this God has made this promise. And now they see it taking place. This was an amazing, amazing gift. But watch what happens. 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad. Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. So the whole town is like, yes, we're gonna go. We're done with the desert. They gave Moses this report. We went to the land which he sent us. And yes, it does flow with milk and honey. The honey would be the, the fruit of the vine, the fig honey, that kind of thing. And, and, and the, here is the fruit of it. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large.
1: We, we even saw, saw the descendants of Anak, Anak there. there.
0: The, the Amalekites, Amalekites live in, in the Negev. Negev. The, the, Hittites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the and the Amorites live in the hill country. country. And the Canaanites lived near the sea along the Jordan. Skip down to verse 31. But but the men who had gone up said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they are spread among the Israelites. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about what they had explored. They said the land devours all those living in it. All, All the, people the people we saw there are, are of great size. size. We saw, saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim, Nephilim is, is a giant, giant kind of person. We first read about them in Genesis 6. It's, it's a, a whole other, other topic, topic, but it's, it's a big, scary thing in their culture. culture. We, we saw, saw the Nephilim, Nephilim there. That's the, the descendants of Anak. Then, then we, we seemed to be like grasshoppers in their own, own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So we felt small, and we were small. Now the whole town is like, yeah! It's, it's like, like when you go, go to a baseball, baseball game, game and they hit the, the pop fly and everyone thinks it's going to go out. Everyone's cheering, cheering and it lands on the warning track. Oh, just the, the exhaustion. It's so good. It is flowing with milk and honey, but there's no way that we're going to be able to conquer it. Their fear poisoned the entire camp, right? Fear has a way of doing that. If you're afraid... And you start talking all about your fears. What happens to the person you're talking to? They get afraid. Fear is a highly contagious disorder that we all have. And look what happened to the entire camp. That night, members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and said, If we had only died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fly? Fall by the sword. Our wives and our children will be taken for plunder. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, 10 spies went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad. Do you see why they were bad? God had made this promise to them. This is your land. I'm giving it to you. What did the spies report? There's no way we can conquer it. Who said anything about you conquering? I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give you this land. You don't have to raise a finger. This land belongs to you. There was no talk on whether or not they were. Go- the command was not go and scope out their military institutions to see if our army, which is nothing, can fight them. That wasn't the command. The command was go check out the promised land that God gave you. Come back with some evidence of it so we can share it everybody else what good God has out in store for us. Yet they go away and they forget God's already given this land to us. The other thing they do is they totally misunderstood what Moses had them do. Moses had asked them to go through the Negev and to the hill country. Here's the problem. They, they did that. They went through the Negev into the hill country there, but at that time... According to archaeologists, when they study that stuff today, that was around the Bronze Period, there should have been no buildings or no people living in that area until a few hundred years later. What the people, what they did is they went deep into the country. What's it say? They went down to the sea. They went down by the Jordan and they come back with details that they shouldn't have even known. They come back with fear because they forgot to trust God. God said, I want you to look at this much. Look here. Don't worry about over here yet or over here. I want you to worry about this spot. But what do they do? No, God, I want to worry about this one. I'm going to go all the way down. I'm going to disobey your orders and I'm going to worry. And I'm going to make up things that I shouldn't even be worried about yet. God says, I'm not going to, I'm giving you this land. The other stuff's going to work out. I'm giving you this land. You don't have to fight for it. Here's what I want to see us to see. Twelve went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad. Two were good. Ten focused on the obstacles. Ten of them looked around and said, it's not going to be safe for us to live into God's promises. Instead of focusing on the literal fruits of the land, they obsess over the difficulties that might come with it. Their obsession with being safe kept them distant from God's vision of them moving forward. And before we blame the 10 bad ones, look at yourself. Don't we do the same thing? It's not just me with cliff diving. It's me with whatever I know God wants me to do. It's me and my fear. It's us and our anxiety, wondering if everything's going to work out. It's you and the awkward interaction that might happen if you follow through with whatever God's calling you to do. It's us all moving forward from this difficult season that we're in and coming, and coming out of it and having the ability to step forward into this new way of life. We wish it could be the other way, but it's not. And so all, some of us have this fear of what might life look like. And we let those obstacles stop us from moving forward. But I have to ask you a question. Did, if God... If ever God calls someone in the scriptures, whenever God calls someone in the scriptures, he calls them to take a step. Is there any time that you know of, and I know the answer, so I just kind of see if you know it too. Uh, we, can, we can share learning here. Is there anything that you see in scriptures that when God calls somebody, the road that they walk is easy? Yes, no. You can talk back. I've got three no's, five no's. Okay, no, you're right. All through scripture, any time God calls someone to do something, the first step they take is always with an obstacle. Why do we expect it to be different? The only one who tried to make it easy on himself was a man named Jonah. And what happened to him? He was swallowed by a whale. God's going to call you somewhere. God's trying to do something in your life. doesn't matter if you think it is true or not. He is. And if you focus on the obstacles, you'll never get it because the obstacles will make you stop. Here's just a few of them. Abraham was called right in the beginning. Leave your parents. Abraham had a pretty good gig with his parents. Leave your family. Go. Abraham went. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had to trust that she was going to have a baby even though she was in well into her 90s. Joseph had to have faith when he was in jail for an untrue crime. Rahab hid the spies, that had to be hard when the people came knocking to her door. Ruth was bold and stayed with her family when all common sense said, go go find a new husband. Gideon went to battle with a severely outnumbered troop and won. Peter went to Cornelius' house to have dinner. Peter, a Jew, Cornelius, a Gentile, that doesn't work. But God said, hey Peter, this is going to be uncomfortable. Go to Cornelius' house. Philip went to Samaria, and then he he ministered to a eunuch in the middle of the desert. Paul went to Rome, and on his way to Rome, he was shipwrecked and beaten and almost left for dead twice. If these folks had obstacles in following their call, why on earth do we think that we won't? The call God wants you to be. God wants you to be deeper in his relationship with you. The obstacle we have. I can't get up that early. I'm not a morning person. I don't know why. Mornings are great. Or, I don't have time for this. I I, I fall asleep when I read the Bible. Or, I, I can't pray. I don't know what to do. Excuses, excuses, excuses. God's calling you into a deeper relationship, and all you focus on is the reason why you can't. The call God wants you to share your faith with somebody. The obstacle. What if they think I'm weird? They probably already do. Okay, let's be honest. Uh, The call, God wants you to apply for this job. The obstacle, oh, I'm not qualified. God wants you to deepen your faith. Oh, I'm too afraid to take a step. God doesn't call us to live a life of fear and safety, obsessing over the obstacles of what might happen. Instead, he calls us to a life of faith with him. And faith that the life he calls us to will happen. So when we're faced with a call, we can either obsess over the obstacles or we can move forward in faith. Now, what is now what this, because of fear, the obstacle makes us respond the other way. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan, ten were bad, two were good. Back in the middle of this false report, there was a man named Caleb. Caleb is uh, two Hebrew words, put into one, it means whole heart, big heart. My son's name Caleb. Uh, he was one of the two spies uh, that wanted to take the land. The other one was Joshua. Uh, Joshua was Moses's right-hand man. So if Joshua spoke up and said, "You all are wrong, everyone would be like, "Yeah, but you're Moses' right-hand man." Of course you would say that. but Caleb. Stands up in the middle of their argument, interrupts them and says this. Caleb silenced the people. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Now, This is the first time we hear about Caleb. Ten people are saying, there's no way that we could take the land. Caleb stands up in the middle of the vocal majority and says, yeah, we can. Let's do it. Caleb was born a slave in Egypt. We know that he looked forward to the promised land. We can also determine that Caleb realized what it meant to follow God. When the other Israelites stood around and complained, he says, I say, we send it. We go for it. We do this. When others are turning around in fear, Caleb is stepping forward in faith. Instead of obsessing over obstacles, Caleb obsesses over the promise. Caleb knows the inhabitants there. And he knows the fortifications because he was just there. But unlike the other Israelites, Caleb once says that God can overcome any of these obstacles. Caleb is also unafraid. He says, we can do it. And when he says, we can do it, he's including the only person who can. God's given them the land. We can take it. Why? Because God's given us this land. Caleb's faith is the grit in the soul that puts the dare into the dreams that God gives us. Caleb's faith has him stand firm when the majority of the spies are saying, don't do it. Have you ever been in that situation? Everyone around you, we called it peer pressure when I was in dare, but have you ever been around there? Everyone's telling you to do something and you know what's right. It's going to be a whole lot easier if you go along with them, yeah? Because if they're all saying, if there's 10 people around you, and they're all saying, we don't, we don't, it'd be easy to go, yeah, maybe we shouldn't. I don't want to get into it. And in Seattle, we're very passive aggressive. This is probably what we do. We go, "Ah, oh, might as well. Everyone else is doing it. I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to cause a problem. And so we go along with it. Caleb goes, no, democracy might work for some reasons, but democracy doesn't work for our faith. Our faith in God doesn't depend on a majority opinion. Our faith in God is concrete in what God has promised. Caleb wouldn't let the majority opinion deter his faith. Caleb wants this land. Why? Because it's his. Why are we even thinking about not going? Would be his question. However, that day, Caleb's faith was drowned out by the majority. Where Caleb tried to encourage, the majority seemed to depress. Where Caleb tried to paint a picture of possibility, the others painted a picture of Jurassic Park, where they're going to be hunted down by T-Rexes, and they were just grasshoppers. In these two attitudes, Caleb versus the 10, we see the two basic postures that are exemplified all throughout the Bible of what our faith should be. Faith in the Lord will overcome impossible odds versus the lack of belief that makes people think that we have to save ourselves. Those are the two postures. Faith says, God said it. I'm going to go for it. God promised that to me. I'm going to go there. God's called me. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the way. It doesn't matter. God's calling me there. I'm going to go. That's one posture. The other posture is, I have no power besides myself. I have to save myself. There's no way I can beat that army, so I'm just going to stay safe. Faith is the courage that conquers. Disbelief is the cowardice that correctly assesses the impossibility of a situation, but forgets to include God into the plans. Thereby, you snatch defeat in the jaws of victory. God had consequences that day. Hey, this land is for you. We can fast forward this. It took two years to get here. You're ready to go into the land. Spies go in for 40 days. They come out. Ten bad, two good. Ten say no. They all go with them. And God says, okay, if this is how you want it, you see where I'm leading you, but you're too afraid to jump off the cliff to live the life that I have for you. So here's what's going to happen. One year for every 40 days that you were in the land, you will wander the desert. And the whole people of Israel go, oh. You see, their lack of movement, their fear, caused them not only to, to wander the desert, but watch what happens. Not one of you will enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, And Joshua, the son of Nun. The two people who overlooked the obstacles, who looked past the obstacles to see what God can do, were the only ones to experience God's promise. As for your children, Numbers says, that you said will be taken as plunder, they're going to enjoy the land that you rejected. Your lack of faith and your fear that your children and everything about you is going to be wasted away, they're the ones that are going to enjoy the land. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Scriptures say this, that the next night there was weeping and wailing throughout the camp. And you can imagine why. Their lack of faith caused them to miss it. When we allow our fears to distort God's vision, we'll never be able to step into his promises. But if we allow faith to be our guide, our lives will be blown away by what God can do, even amongst our obstacles. So I'm standing on top of a cliff. My friends are jumping off. It was terrifying. So I closed my eyes, and I think my friend Andrew pushed me. Once I hit the water, I came back up, and I couldn't wait to do it again. And I did it again, and I did it again. Luckily, there was a little kind of a rock stairway, so I didn't have to do any kind of repelling. The fear didn't go away. There was still that exhilaration of, oh my goodness, I'm falling. But the fear got smaller and smaller. Friends, I believe that we all stand with our toes on the edge of the cliff of what God is calling you to do. We all stand there. And we're either going to be controlled by two things. We're either going to be controlled by our faith or we're going to be controlled by our fear. It is your choice what you're going to be controlled about. It is your choice whether or not you're going to take a step and trust or sit back and stay on your heels and allow it to go by. And I don't know what God might be calling you to. Maybe there is a new job on the horizon for you. Maybe there is this position that you're like, God, I don't know. It's scary to think about leaving this one. And maybe God's like, I know. It's okay. I've taken, the, I've taken the hard stuff out of it. Maybe it's something to do with school. You're like, I don't know if I want to go back. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know what it is. You do. Maybe it's a it's a call for you. Maybe God's saying to you, you need to recon- reconcile with this friend of yours that you've had a huge falling out with. And you're like, oh, that person. It makes it hard. And you're like, but I don't want to go back. I don't want to. My son does that. He's five and we do that. I do that. And I'm 42 and I do that with God. We do that too. I don't want to. The emphasis on the foot. Friends, God's calling you to a new life. He's given you a vision of what he can do. And if you allow your fears to dictate you, you're never going to experience it. What is God calling you towards today? And why are you afraid to take the step? You know, Caleb, uh, in the Bible, not Caleb, my son, but I'm sure Caleb, my son, will be this way, I hope. Uh, He entered the promised land. He was 40. And if, if you go back, after they get into the promised land, when they were, uh, it's in Joshua, they cross over the River Jordan and then they fight some battles and they win. Why? Because God's with them. Uh, but if you go to Joshua chapter 14, if you look in verse 12, he's, they're handing out the land, they're dividing it up. And in verse 12, Caleb comes to Joshua and says this, uh, where did it go? Now then, all right, let's go back a little bit. The people approached Joshua Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite, came to him. This is in verse 6. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? Like they're the oldest guys in the camp now, right? This is 40 years later. Do you remember what Moses said there, Joshua? I was 40. And I was, the, when Moses was the servant of the Lord and sent me from Kadesh Barnea with you to explore the land and, I, and brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites went up and they made their hearts so the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly, because that's what his name is, right? So on the day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. Caleb never forgot the promise. How do you get over your fears? Remember the promise. Now then, just as the Lord promised me, he has kept me alive for 40 years. He's probably 80 now. Since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved through the wilderness, so here I am, 85 years old, I am still strong today as in the day of Moses sent me out. I'm still as vigorous to go to battle as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You heard it then that the Anakites were there and their cities and their large fortified walls, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. You believe that? 85 years old. I don't care, this is what God promised me and I'm still gonna go up there and I will drive them out myself. I wish we can have that kind of faith. I pray that kind of faith for you that you won't forget what God has promised you and even when you're old and ordinary and 85 years old and you still got a lot of fight in you, I can still do it. Give me the hill country, the hardest country to take. Give it to me. Why? God promised me. And I can do it. Why? Because God's with me. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for examples like Caleb. And when we follow you, we have the choice to be like Caleb or we have the choice to be like the other nine or 10 that come along. Lord, thank you that he is a model of how our faith should be in the face of our fears. That if you've called us to something you're not going to leave us empty and broken and never realizing it you say this to us in Philippians that when you start something good in us you will always finish it and so God as you are calling each and every single one of us here in this room to something today may you fill us with faith may you remove the fear spirit would your heart would you move through our hearts and may we identify that fear and give it back to you god say i don't need to be afraid of this anymore i'm not afraid of this why because you are walking with me and god may we take the land that you have so graciously offered to us may we step out in faith knowing that you'll never abandon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.